some of the people who, uh, who made the day possible came by and uh, I think, oh, Kevin, welcome. So Kevin and Heath weren't here except in spirit, but, uh, uh, but Cindy, of course, was and Brent was and Jim was and Jim was and uh, they were part of, of two slim majorities that made uh, what I called then Indiana's Louisiana Purchase possible and and uh, thinking back over these last five years, that term and others we used uh, applies more than ever. I, I just want to start by um, waving around two props. One is, uh, which is on that stand there too, I, I couldn't bear to throw this out. This is just a printed record of $3.8 billion wire transferring five years ago today. Uh, regulations I learned that day prohibit sending a billion dollars in a single transfer. So it had to be broken up into uh, installments, which came a minute or two apart, of 999, 999, 999, just by coincidence, uh, any day lately you could almost find this, but here's this morning's newspaper, State Warehousing Jobs Stack Up. These two pieces of paper are not unrelated. When I called major moves the jobs vote of a generation, I meant it. Thousands of construction workers are at work today and have been for the last five years in a record-building boom in our state, but those are not even the most important jobs. The most important jobs are those uh, like these that uh, will come that, and are coming to Indiana uh, because the crossroads of America got serious about infrastructure. Indiana is the envy of America today. Uh, articles are written every day about the infrastructure crisis, the crumbling of our roads, and the harm it's doing the American economy. Uh, that we can't move goods and people as fast as, as, uh, as we'd like to. And um, we look forward to not being the exception. We hope other states do find their own solutions, or our nation does. It's a very important national problem. Um, but just to sum up the, what we see on this fifth-year anniversary, over 100 new major roads projects, including those that have been on the drawing board for generations, U.S. 31, the Hoosier Heartland Corridor, the Fort to Port Road, uh, I-69, and others. Over a hundred new projects and over a hundred major restoration or preservation projects, uh, many of which would have waited for many, many more years. Uh, the number of miles of congested highway in Indiana has dropped by a third in the last five years and is going down further. Uh, the number of uh, problem bridges. Has, a third of those have been repaired and another third will be repaired uh, during the remainder of the reinvestment of the major moves uh, funds. And as, as even I sometimes forget, on top of that we got a vastly better toll road out of it. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been invested. Uh, we have a new state police post and 25 more troopers, so more safety than ever before. Electronic tolling for the first time. And those improvements will continue during the remainder of the lease. Uh, all this with no taxes and no borrowing. Um, it's, uh, on, the, on the day that we made the transaction, we knew it was a great moment for Indiana. Five years later, it 
couldn't it, it looked better with every passing year. And I'm just so grateful to the legislators who helped make it happen and to the outstanding people of NDOT. Uh, Mike Klein is here today, its current leader. They are doing a remarkable job. They are the model of America. Now, they have a different assignment than any NDOT before them and any, and any other highway department I know of. Instead of rationing scarcity, they are having to manage efficiently record budgets year after year after year. The budget for road building in Indiana this year is a billion and a half dollars. That is two to three times the historical average. And yet they are doing it um, very efficiently. Project after project is ahead of schedule. Project after project is under budget. And uh, we are just tremendously proud of them. So we thought it was worth marking this anniversary. And, uh, and in doing so, to make one last point. Um, Everything we do one way or another is aimed at trying to bring jobs to this state now and over the long, long term to come. And much of that involves getting government out of the way, getting taxes down, making regulation quick and predictable, lowering the cost of doing business. But some of it, we believe, involves government acting very aggressively and doing things only government can do and building first-class infrastructure was certainly a huge part of that, particularly for a state located where we are. Um, infrastructure these days means more than cement and asphalt, by the way. Our deregulation, we just learned, of telecommunications in 06, Indiana now has the third fastest broadband average connection time in America. The infrastructure of fiber and frequency matters in this economy, too, and we've gone to the front row there. But today we want to celebrate the traditional infrastructure that uh, has always and will always matter so much, especially to a major manufacturing state like ours. And uh, it's a day for um, satisfaction, but it's a day for resolve to keep moving forward and, and try, to, uh, try to capitalize on the opportunity that all these new uh, facilities make possible. Yeah, well, more than half. Let's see. Uh, we're on a fa fairly fast track. The important thing about Abdul's question, and um, I know you folks don't lose sight of it, but it's important no one does. Um, a cardinal principle, those of you who were covering this at the time remember, is we were never going to let this was all going to be reinvested for the long term. There's nothing short-term about this. We, not, not a penny of this had anything to do with balancing Indiana's budget or building up reserves. Nothing was spent on today. It's all being reinvested. Now, Abdul, we are investing, reinvesting it as fast as we can. The last dollars of the major moves dollars, we believe, will go into the ground in 2015. But we're more than halfway through. Remember that we not only got three point Eight billion. We use some to pay the uh, debt that the toll road still had 50 years later. 500 million go, went in the future uh, generation fund, and will be there forever, throwing off interest to augment future state highway budgets. Um, a little bit was used to keep the passenger tolls at the 1986 levels for another few years. In 2015, passengers on the Indiana motors, passenger motors, will still be paying the tolls uh, of uh, 
what, 20 or 29 years before. But all the rest is reinvested in long-term permanent projects. Indiana is the nation's leading buyer, not seller, but buyer of permanent public assets. We are adding billions of dollars of uh, assets to the state's inventory of roads and bridges with this money. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. Well, it's it's widely said no one will ever make a deal this good again. That's probably right. There was there was some fortunate timing in in when we moved. Uh, markets were right. The, the interest in uh, in these public private partnerships and uh, which are so prom, prom, uh, prevalent and prominent elsewhere in the world was really at its peak. So I don't know if anybody can ever do a deal nearly so good again, but I hope that there'll, there'll be two things for future uh, governors to work on. One is, as I said, the, uh, the uh, trust fund that was created with 500 million of these dollars will continue to augment. Indiana will have road money that no other state has on top of its gas tax money. Second, the legislature this year, and all these people did participate, passed a very progressive P3 or public-private partnership law, which gives Indiana uh, new tools for building things using, as I always say, my favorite source of money, other people's. <laughs> and um, so that's, we have left new tools behind and some new resources. Right. First thing it means is we've got a great deal. I mean, it means they overpaid. I have always resisted saying this, but it's now said so often. And all right, you know, that's why you hold an auction. Sometimes you really hit the jackpot, and we did. So they paid more than they, uh, than at least current conditions allow them to, to pay back, so they've got a little difficulty. But we foresaw this. It means nothing in terms of uh, service on that road. Uh, we are fully protected. If, if new investors want a new operator, we get to approve or disapprove it. Uh, the new operator has to live up to exactly the same Two or three hundred pages of uh, requirements, very strict requirements about how they run it. It's a regulated utility, really. And so uh, Indiana citizens are fully protected, and we got all our money. So they may have money trouble, but we don't. We have instead billions of dollars of new roads and bridges. Well, it won't look anything like that. It would have been three times, three or four times as big if it hadn't been for this transaction. So the, uh, there will always be um, more roads to build or to rebuild, and, and uh, that's a fact of life here and everywhere. But we've taken, as I said, an enormous number off that list, two-thirds of the bridges, for instance, that would have been there. And 200-plus uh, 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 roads. No, I mean, you can talk to Mike after, uh, Nikki, but um, we have, uh, at any time, we're reprioritizing which are the most useful. You may recall that before major moves, uh, I asked the brand-new NDOT of 2005 um, for a priority list based on the importance to Indiana's future. 
And they didn't really have one. They were just doing them sort of in the order that somebody got done designing them. So we have always had a priority um, system. We put jobs and economic value into the mix, not just safety and congestion, which are important, but also which roads uh, would uh, most likely lead to more jobs. And that, we just keep using that model, and sometimes some get promoted and some get bumped down. Well, it, um, it amounts to saying, let's make life miserable for the motorists and maybe they'll be more interested in mass transit. I mean, we want to deal with the um, issues and the opportunities we have today. You know, the state and the city, for that matter, uh, funds mass transit, and I don't doubt that there'll be uh, more of that in the future as, as it becomes here and there a bigger part of the mix. But I think it would be very... Um, uh, foolish to um, leave our infrastructure problems unattended um, <clears throat> and then and, and, uh, chasing, you know, what uh, may be uh, you know, projects of less, certainly economic value. I mean, again, the emphasis here was always on the jobs possibilities and the impact on our economy. We are getting less congestion. We are getting uh, safety improvements, but um, here, in a way that uh, certainly, for, I think, fit our state well, we we chose the right priority. Have you or anyone in your administration had talks with the draft about possible defaults and who might take over? Oh, the oversight board is all over this, but you know, again, I think you're a long, long way from any serious look at that. If there were, if the, if the, those who overbid. If it turns out, then as it might, that they just overbid, and Indiana got too good a deal, uh, can't make all their interest payments, just like we've seen it in the casinos and elsewhere, there may be some new people coming on the financial side. Odds are very heavy that they'd want a well-run road to continue with the same operator. They're doing a really good job running the road, and if you're a new investor, that's what you want. You want a road that flows freely, that is policed well, that is... Gets the snow off quickly, and um, so my best guess is you might have different investors after the original ones take their haircut, but the uh, operators that are doing a fine job. Will probably continue, but again, if new investors said, "Well, we got a we got an outfit we think can run the road even better," we'd have approval rights, and we'll insist on every comma of that as I say, regulated utility agreement we have being lived up to by whoever it is. Okay, Ryan, well, it's hovering below every state around us. It's hovering a point, a full point below the national average. So we don't like where it's hovering, but you know, let's start with the context. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we were below the national average before the bubble burst, and we're below it today. It's just the national average is way too high. We all understand that. 
Um, you know, I think we're looking at in Indiana at exactly the national uh, picture. You're, you've seen in the last, for instance, income is really up in this state. You can see it month by month in this extraordinarily strong income tax revenues that the state is getting. You're going to see that again, we believe, when the books close in a, another day or two. So that pattern has continued. Um, on, it appears that that income, however, is being earned by mainly the same people. That is to say, people are getting more hours and overtime, and a lot of part-time people are being hired. It's full-time employment, which was what we really want, which has been so very slow. And I, as I talk to business, I guess I understand. You know, they're very nervous about the national economy and about national policy. And uh, they're being very cautious about taking on full-time employees. And, uh, um, you know, I think we all will be happy when they have more confidence. Exactly. There's studies that say the nation will still be up there at 8 or 9% for another couple of years. And, um, you know, that's the... Um, that's always the tide we swim against. You know, all I can all I can tell you is that uh, um, within that lousy context, Indiana's outperforming uh, in income, outperforming in employment. We certainly have a strong flow of interest in. Uh, you know, this is hardly this is this is uh, part of a record number of transactions that have come through the IEDC this year. Um, maybe the lesson is that. In such, a, in such a negative national climate, you have to do absolutely everything as well as you can if you hope to, to get a little bit ahead of others. Yeah. Oh, there, sure. I mean, there were, there were a number of... Uh, uh, anytime you operate on as... Uh, a tight a basis as we've had to. There are things you would like to have done or done a little bit more of, but I don't regret for a second the, the overall policy. And again, thanks to the General Assembly, Indiana's in dramatically better fiscal shape than any other state I know. And just like those businesses that I was just talking about, um, you know, my attitude is going to be one of continued caution that um, I'm glad we have reserves. Uh, I'm glad we didn't have to raise any taxes, discourage job creation anymore, to have that, to be in that position. And um, uh, I think that when we, we haven't got the final numbers yet, but I think when you see them here pretty soon, in the fastest close, by the way, in Indiana history, thanks to the improvements that have been made there, you'll see them pretty soon. Um, you will see a state that is in rock-solid fiscal shape, and in general, that's, um, to me, validation of the policies that put us there. Yeah, but it's like I want to use a little bit of the uh, funding for some of these projects to try to encourage the high-speed rail system and manage with the uh, federal government to tie in some of the bigger uh, metropolitan areas around particularly Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the first thing is some of the major moves money uh, went straight into mass transit, which is to say the South Shore Railroad. We increased the uh, capacity up there. 
Um, that was done by funding the RDA, and the RDA up there decided to do that, and I'm glad they did. So in that sense, uh, major moves did make a contribution to mass transit. Now, you're asking about this high-speed rail idea, which I think has massive question marks all over it, enormous cost, highly uncertain to have the kind of ridership or revenue that would allow it to come close to breaking even or to keep the subsidies to a manageable level. So we take an open stance toward all these, but the burden of proof has to be on those who would um, commit the federal taxpayer uh, and states like ours to not just a huge investment to put it there, but to huge ongoing subsidies after it is there. And um, I don't think that burden of proof has been carried yet with regard to either of the routes that are being bandied about it in northern Indiana. Governor, do you know he's about to wrap up uh, their education hearings for the takeover turnaround? Mm -hmm. And there's a question of what's happened in schools. You know, once the state is done, <clears throat> do whatever it is they need to do. Should these schools in your opinion go back into school districts or should they be sort of set up under some sort of quasi independent board control or something about giving to you know, mayors or local officials? Mm -hmm. Reference. I don't. Might might be best addressed case by case, school by school, city by city. Um, I think what's important is the, the interest of the children to move quickly, and let's where current management just hasn't gotten it done. Let's get let's give somebody else a chance to try to do better. But I have, I don't have any fixed views about who those new leadership groups ought to be, or or who ought to where they ought to uh, let's say report a few years after. Well, at first, I mean, you ought to ask the Attorney General. He has a budget for to do exactly this, defend the laws of the state. And um, so it, you know, I defer to him on how he decides to use uh, use those dollars. But uh, uh, it's hardly the first time that this or other or some state has wanted to defend its uh, rights to pass laws it believes are um, appropriate against the federal power. So No, unanimous vote uh, is impressive and says what it says. It, it doesn't re remove, of course, the continuing uncertainty and cloud over the office, but I think we all want to see this cleared up so anything that it, any um, progress in the process is a good thing, I guess. He was. Yeah, yeah, that Gary's Gary Varvel's cartoon about the Illinois governor's wing may not be may not be if too uh, fanciful if, if he comes. No, I don't. It's a sad thing. It, it, I guess it means I better quit telling Illinois jokes for a little while. Um, but you know, it's 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 a sad thing, but uh, it's important that justice be served. You cannot have conduct of that kind in high office, public. It's, it undermines the public's confidence in things you do. You know, I I suppose again one one reason to mark this occasion was to to say that you know government can and 
does and should act aggressively in the public interest where you find a way to, to do that. And uh, it's, it's a sad thing when anything subtracts from public faith and confidence. So there's a whole lot of businesses over there that we're talking to short, you know, before we get to that one. So uh, uh, you, we've seen about a dozen just since their latest tax increase that we've been involved with, and there are others in the pipeline. So it's it's a real phenomenon. Any reaction to how quickly Michelle Bachman is facing traction? No, I really don't know her, but I, I, you know, my view is the more competitors, the better in there, and uh, uh, and uh, that really a, a good spirited debate inside our party or any party on the outside is is the always the best preliminary to a successful, uh, positive general election. Which of their letters was that? I don't have anything to say about it. We don't pay a lot of attention to letters from bureaucrats, We, uh, but we do pay attention to court rulings. Well, I mean, it's, I think the first, my sense is the first step here is for the Attorney General to to uh, make his decision. Your questions are best addressed to him. All right. Thank you all very much.